But first, we've got to get to a very special guest, legendary NFL quarterback Joe Theismann, I believe, is on the line now. Joe, thank you so much for joining us here on Iron Sports. You are welcome. It's my pleasure, and I do love sports. <laughs> What's up, I? So, Joe, you have a book out, How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. I read it last night. I think I accomplished more today than I have any other day. That was such motivation. It was great. I loved it. But this is Super Bowl week. You are one of 33 people to ever have quarterbacked to win a Super Bowl. So you're one of those 33. There's, there's been more U.S. presidents than been quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so going heading into the Super Bowl, what, what was your feeling? You played in two of them. What was your feeling this final week before the big game? You know, it was interesting, Ari, because uh, the first one, we only had one week. It was a strike season in uh, 1982. So, you know, as soon as we, everybody went in as a wild card, as soon as we beat the Cowboys, we hopped on an airplane that Monday and headed for Pasadena. The second one, uh, the one in Tampa against the Raiders, we had two weeks to get ready. And it was a different experience for us, but usually the first week, this past week, you try and take care of all of the tickets, the family reservations, a lot of what you know I guess would be considered distractions, so that now you get into this week and you start to focus. Tomorrow they'll have media day. If I don't know if they had it today, but normally media day is on Tuesday. And then you try and get into, to say this is funny, a normal work week where you have your practice schedule, you have your time, you give the guys a time off, and you keep emphasizing to them that you've worked too hard to get this far to do something stupid that doesn't allow us to win. And you mentioned in the book about seizing the moment. You talk about one moment in time by Whitney Houston. When you're playing in this game, in the Super Bowl, do you, you, do you ever say, it's just another game? But is it, do you think of it as just another game, or do you realize this is the Super Bowl, this is the final game? You know, it's become so much bigger. Um, it, was, it was big back then. I mean, they put us on a stage where you had, you know, a, a lot of media from around the world, really more around the country than around the world back then. Um, now, all of a sudden, it, it's gigantic. I mean, it, it is worldwide. It is one of the most watched events in the world. Um, everybody knows you from different parts of the world. And it's hard not to understand exactly what the magnitude of it is, except for the fact that Jalen Hurts played at Alabama, then went to Oklahoma. So he's been exposed to a lot of media. Philadelphia, a lot of media. Patrick Mahomes, this is his third trip in four years to the Super Bowl. So it's sort of like, you know, it's almost like a homecoming for him. I think if you were if you had two quarterbacks that hadn't experienced this before, I would probably say that the moment is very, very unnerving at times. But not for these guys. They're used to dealing with a lot of questions. They're used to dealing with a big environment. And that's exactly what they're in right now. You went talk about major colleges. You went and chose to go play at Notre Dame. Um, I loved in your book how you broke about, you talked about, remember, this book is so good because it doesn't just go over your life history and everything, but it talks about, it's motivational. It's Tony Robbins. It's telling things. It's, it's about recognizing your opportunity. And you felt like when you walked around campus and have a Rocky Blyer, who I'm a big Steeler fan, took you around, and you felt like this was home. This is where I wanted to go. And then you were one of 13 quarterbacks, and you made, you know, became one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of Notre Dame. Well, thank you. I mean, it was really, it was an interesting road. It seems like I've made decisions and changed my mind. You know, I was going to go to Miami. I wound up going to Toronto. I was going to, I signed at North Carolina State University, and then I wound up going to, uh, to Notre Dame. And, and really, it's, and I believe this, because 
I walked around campus. You know, it was it was sort of an afterthought for me because I don't think they got anybody they wanted. I was a 152 pound skinny kid, and like I said, you were, like you mentioned, I was one of 13 quarterbacks. But when I got when I got walking around the campus, and I remember getting off the plane in New Jersey, and my dad said, "What do you think?" I said, "I have to go to Notre Dame." And he said, "Why?" <laughs> I said, "Dad, it just feels right." And that's really one of the things that I, I really try and mention in the book is quite often if we trusted our gut we'd probably be right a larger percentage than if we just decided to go through the analytics and, and all the different pros and cons and everything else. But our gut's a pretty good indicator. And, you know, I really love doing the book. I appreciate us getting the chance to talk about it. Um, I learned so many lessons from so many other people. And, and that's, you know, another thing I point out is, is I hate to break the news to everybody, but you don't know everything. <laughs> and my and my favorite saying is really, the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. And then at Notre Dame, you ended up, I, I just couldn't believe it, Jim Plunkett won the Heisman, you were second, and Archie Manning, Peyton and Eli's father, finished third. I mean, what a what a, a, an esteemed group of, of top three finishers there for that Hall of Fame. You were 23-2. and two. It just means, it, I think from that perspective, it, it, your, your success there and be able, I think when you wrote in your book, how I, the one thing I liked that you said is that you got there early, you learned the plays. So when the first quarterback came out, you're like, I wanted to be ready to ready. I want to know the plays for everybody else. Well, you know, I, I call it a competitive edge. And in life today, how do you create a competitive edge, whether it's in a relationship, if you're you know trying to date someone or get to know someone? if it's a business relationship or if it's in a sports relationship, because really the book is based off of three premises, the, the world of sports, the world, the world of business and our own lives all parallel one another. And you can, you can find similarities. And I, I reference them going through the book. And, and I really, you know, I, I really try and focus on, I think things that I've been through, but also from people I've talked to, and it isn't just me, you know, um, general Powell has mentioned that and, you know, different friends that I've known, different individuals I've known, Joey Bozick uh, on leadership. Joey's a triple amputee, and, you know, when I talk to him about us playing a golf tournament with him, I'll get back to competitive edge in a second. But I'm, when I was talking to Joey about, you know, leadership and, and what happened, and, you know, he had an IED go off under his Humvee when he was in Iraq, and he was in the passenger seat. There was a driver and somebody in the back, and, and he, he lost parts of three limbs. And I said, what's it like? He said, Joe, I can live with where I am because the men that I was responsible for are okay. And I mean, that's, that's taking, you know, that, that's just incredible to me. And I, I decided that, you know, how can you gain, and I say this to everybody who's listening, how can you gain a competitive edge? Is it putting in a little more time? Is it studying a little bit more in school? Is it, for me, I showed up one week early I was one of 13 quarterbacks. I showed up one week early. So when we started practices, coaches are like owners of businesses. They like things to run smoothly. So I was the first guy in line. Now, you create the competitive edge, and then you have to be able to deliver when that opportunity presents itself. As a matter of fact, the first chapter in the book is opportunity. And um, you know, that's sort of the way I've looked at the pandemic when, in 2020. It wasn't necessarily as much of a change for a lot of people as it was an opportunity to be creative, to evolve, to adapt to different situations. 
And one of these, you mentioned one person who's in the news right now this past week is Tom Brady. You mentioned him a number of times in the book because everything you're looking for, you talk about enthusiasm and, and, and how he never wants to be taken out of practice. Just like you played in 163 consecutive games. You never missed a practice like Brady. Uh, just talk a little about Brady and what kind of source of inspiration he should be for so many people, including yourself. I think, first of all, when you look at Tom, what he did up to the age of 45, you know, to me, that's 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 out of this world kind of uh, being healthy. Having one knee operation or one knee problem over one year through all those years in his career is a blessing. Um, you know, he, you know, he's he's a physical freak, I guess the best way to say it. I mean, he worked hard, took care of himself, but then you have to be lucky to a degree not to take the hits that take you out. You know, sometimes, I mean, we saw Kyler Murray just playing his foot, knee. We saw Zach Wilson with the Jets playing his foot, knee. You know, Tom wasn't going to play in his foot because he really never ran anywhere, so it was, it was okay. But, I, you know, and I, I'll never forget, I love asking people uh, that have accomplished something in their life, one simple question is, what made you great? And the answer I got from Tom was the right time, the right place, and the right people. And, it, you know, I think that applies in every walk of life, whether it's business, your own personal life, or sports. It's the right time, the right place, and the right people, or sometimes the right person. Um, and you can enjoy the success. So when we walked into the studio just now, the person at the show before me said, don't ask him, don't ask Joe about the, his broken leg. And, and, and I'm like, well, he writes about Why it not? in his book. <laughs> He's talking about it. And so, but you mentioned how that was that horrendous night of that, but, but how that defined, it wasn't like the end of yours, but it, it was set, you know, your path the rest of your life and how you dealt with it made you the person you are today. It was the beginning. I think, you know, with the success that I was able to enjoy as a part of our football team, and so much of it had to do with the guys and the coaches and everybody in the organization, I felt pretty important. I felt pretty lofty. And, you know, I had a pretty good size ego. My friends will tell me I still have one. <laughs> I've tempered it. I've really tried to temper it to a large degree. And, I, I, you know, and then all of a sudden, everything that was important to me, which was athletics and being able notoriety and the movies and the trophies and all the rings and all that stuff had no significance whatsoever when I got hurt because it didn't matter anymore. That guy couldn't do what the guy that did those things to get those things wasn't around anymore. And it really brought my feet down to earth. And it, it really gave me a perspective on what's important in life. And what's important in life is relationships and the people that you have the relationships with. And those that you can affect in a positive way. You know, I, I got this whole saying backwards. You know, I used to think that, you know, I was on this earth to be served because I was Joe Theismann football player, la di da di da <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, is you're put on this earth, we're put on this earth to serve others. What can you do for other people? Is, is it as simple as maybe carrying groceries for someone? Is it as simple as opening a car door? Is it as simple of passing up a parking space when you see someone who may need it a little bit. Well, there's so many little things that we can do in our life to be able to take care of and serve others that, you know, sometimes when you get feeling too good about yourself, you don't pay attention to the right things. I liked what you said in the book about your relationship with Lawrence Taylor, who the greatest defensive player in the history of football. And I thought, oh, well, you'll, you know, you probably hate him, whatever. You, you play golf with him. You, you hang out with him now. It's, it's amazing that you were able to, to have this relationship with someone who ended your career. 
Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, the NFL did a football life on me about two and a half months ago. Of course, Lawrence came down to Washington, and we, we walked through RFK Stadium. The place is all rusty and weeds. And it was sort of surreal to be there with them, and we talked about that night. And, you, you know, if anybody has seen that video, you see how upset he was. And like he, he said, he said, I, I, don't, I don't go out there to try and hurt people. Um, we play a violent game. Sometimes things happen. Um, when we do play golf, I just don't let him stand on my left side where I can't see him. <laughs> I did, and you did make a comment that I just, I, I, another one of my, I told my friend who had an injury, and he, he said, I agree with Joe 100%. You said you walked into the locker room months after your injury, walked in there, saw your locker, and some, a quarterback, Barkowski, was, was in it. Your stuff was in a box, and you said, My teammates became acquaintances. They weren't my teammates anymore. Right. They, 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 you know, you're not part of the, you're, you're, you're always, you're always a relative, but you're not really part of the family. Um, you know, those are the, your, your, the practices that you go through, the, the meetings, the, the ups and the downs, and those are all the emotional as well as physical experiences that you go through. And then all of a sudden, you're really on the outside looking in. And, you know, they have to get ready to do their job. Uh, and, and, you know, there's no sense feeling sorry for yourself because you're not going to get any sympathy. It's a tough league. It, uh, football, I, I remember somebody said a long time ago, you may love football, but football doesn't love you. <laughs> back. It, it doesn't love you back. I mean, you, you, I mean, we see guys, guys get cut, guys get released. These, this is, you're talking about childhood dreams that all of a sudden you know, never come to fruition. Guys don't make it in camp. You wanted to be a, a professional football player, and all of a sudden you can't because the opportunity didn't present itself or maybe you weren't good enough. Um, but it was, to me, it was just an incredible ride. I mean, 15 years of professional football was just a, a wonderful experience and a growing experience for me as, as it turns out. Um, I have to ask this question because we're down here in my, in South Florida, we're on six radio stations. Uh, you signed with, you were dra drafted by Miami, but you told Don Shula no, and then went to Toronto instead. <laughs> I'm a little confused with the story a little bit, but, but I, it was, it, I, I think John Shula to tell him no, it's, it takes a lot of strength, I guess, to tell him no. Or stupidity, however you want to look <laughs> at it. Um, actually when I, I had, um, I'd gone to Miami, I was drafted in the fourth round by Miami. And then I told him I would come. And then we got into a, I was doing my own contract. I didn't have an agent. So we got into a little bit of a dispute over disbursement of money. Um, and then I flew to Toronto and they said, hey, look, here's the deal. If you leave the country, it's off the table. So I signed. And uh, I went back to South Bend. And <laughs> uh, I'll never forget Coach Parsegan calling me at 6 in the morning saying, what have you done? <laughs> I said, I signed with the Argonauts. He said, I know. Shula's on his way on a plane up here right now. Don flew up to South Bend and read me the riot act. And, uh, and I just, I'd become disillusioned with the process of uh, spreading out a bonus that they wanted me to pay back if I didn't show up. And it was, you know, 1967 was the beginning of the war and it was 71 and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't want to be paying back bonus money. They finally did change the contract, but I wasn't familiar with all of that, the rhetoric that goes on when it comes to negotiations. And so I wound up three years in Toronto um, and it was 71, 72, and 73. And for the Dolphin fans, they know what those years were like. Unbelievable. Uh, and uh, then I, Don traded my rights to uh, George Allen for a number one pick, and, and I wound up in Washington. 
But the irony of this, and this is what I tell all the Dolphins fans, when I didn't go to Miami in 1971, Don went out and got Earl Morrill from the Baltimore Colts because he had him in Baltimore. Earl Morrill quarterbacked nine of the games during the 1972 undefeated season. The backup quarterback quarterbacked those games. Theoretically, if I had been on that team, Earl Morrill would not have been there. And I don't know if I could have gone undefeated like Earl. (laughs) So what I basically say to everybody down in South Florida that are Miami fans or anybody listening you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I just saw Larry Zonka on Thursday. We had him on our show a couple of weeks ago, and I, and I was looking at his Super Bowl ring, and I go, uh, I go, boy, that's you know, make sure the rings of this picture. We're doing a cover shoot for a magazine, and he said, he goes, he goes, there's not many of those. He goes, there's only one of these perfection. <laughs> so that exactly was a right. good right. So in your book, and I, you know, and, and I believe, and I really believe there'll only be the one. With 17 games, I believe it'll get much more difficult to be able to go undefeated. The only ones that had a shot at it was, was New England. Right. When they lost to the Giants. And the, that's the only team that really had a shot, I think, at being able to match what the Dolphins did. And that's an incredible record. I mean, just you really stop and think about everything that goes on in football today, all the changes, all the people, all the injuries, the, the, the amount of games, all, that, all that's so different. And then all of a sudden, you wind up, you know, with an undefeated season like they were. Um, in your book, "How to Be a Champion Every Day: Six Timeless Keys to Success," you discuss after you're done playing football, your restaurant and how how you have worked in your restaurant and applied the ideas of teamwork and the attention to detail and do the little things. All those things you talk about in your book to make your restaurant a success. I mean, some people open these restaurants. Your restaurant was around for decades in terms of in Arlington being very popular. So, talk about a little bit it's how you applied it. sports to your restaurant success. It's. It still is today. There's a Joe Theismann's restaurant in Alexandria, Virginia. We opened the first one in 75, had as many as six. Now we're down to one, um, which is owned by a, a group. Uh, I have my name on it still, so I have, I have a say in what goes on. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's attention to detail probably more than anything. Of all the things you talk about, teamwork, helping one another, but it's the details. It's the little things. It's as simple as when I call the restaurant, I like them to answer the phone, Joe Theismann's restaurant. And then I like them to identify who they are. Because I just think it's a much more cordial way, if you're talking to somebody on the phone, if you can reference them by their first name. And from a business standpoint, if there's an issue at all, it makes it real easy to figure out who took the reservation or what happened. And you don't have to go hunting around looking for people. You know, we spend so much time talking about the quarterback position uh, that it's everything. It seems like that's all people talk about. You're an expert at being a quarterback. And I liked how you said it's the most dependent position. We think of the quarterbacks as the most like super position, but you said it's the most dependent position on the team. Absolutely. I mean, if the offensive line doesn't block, if runners don't gain yards, if receivers don't catch balls, if defenses don't stop people and you know what it's like, you know, ask the Buffalo Bills, but it's like if a kicker doesn't make a kick. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's, you know, you, you, really, you really have to look at the position, I think, very objectively and say, you can't be successful without one, but if you have a really good one, there needs to be a team around it. And the classic example is San Francisco this year with Brock Purdy. You know, that's a heck of a football team. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he, they're in the NFC Championship game and he gets hurt. And... Uh, then they can't go anymore. I mean, you know, and that's, that's it. So it, it is. I really believe it is the most dependent position. 
and talk a little about Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, the two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, and what you like about in terms of their success. And, and look, at just that, you know, both are such hard workers. I mean, they're really, it's great to have this Super Bowl with these, with two great people like Pertz and Mahomes. Absolutely. I mean, they're both terrific young men, um, great work ethic, unique talents, unique skills, the ability to run but yet throw the football. I think a lot of them, you know, a lot of what they do, you beat, they beat you with their brains. They're two smart guys. They know exactly what they need to do. The systems are not easy. If you ever looked at somebody's wrist and saw, now it, it used to be you used to have a, a play sheet on your wrist. Now you have a book. <laughs> they, keep flipping page, they keep flipping pages to find out what they're looking for. And, it, you know, that has to do with the uh, communicators in the helmets. We couldn't have that volume of plays because, you know, it's hard to remember everything. But now everything's available at, at literally at your fingertips and, and through a communicator in the helmet. So they, the volume is so much greater. But, you know, Jalen has been successful everywhere he's been, and people continue to say, well, he can't, he can't, he can't. Well, he can't, and he did. Patrick, to me, I, I call Patrick, you know, the human video game. <laughs> he, does things that, he does things that you want to see on a video game. You know, un, underhand passes, pushing it with your left hand, jump pass. I mean, he does all that stuff. And really, I think Patrick's situation and, and his success to a degree has to do with Andy Reid as a play caller. And I think Andy Reid is an incredible play caller. Uh, and I'm very curious to see what he's going to do in this Super Bowl. I think Patrick's going to be healthy. But how is he going to get the ball to Kelsey? Because you know the Eagles want to take him away. So, you know, what, what's he going to do with the tight end position? His wide receivers are a bit banged up, so... This is gonna this is gonna challenge Andy, but this is something he absolutely loves. So we wake up on Monday morning next Monday, um, and this is a two part question: <laughs> Kansas City wins. What did Kansas City do to win that game? Do you think what would and if the, we wake up and say the Eagles had won, what did what have they done? You're saying, oh yeah, that's what they did. That's why they won the game. Well, if Kansas City won, they do two things. Number one, their offensive line controls the defensive line of the Eagles, mm-hmm. which I don't think anybody can. And secondly. They managed to contain Jalen Hurts running the football. Those two things, I think that's what the Kansas City defense has to do. Offensively, Patrick has to protect the ball. You know, he's going to be Patrick. He's going to protect the ball. And, and, and for him, it's the offensive line. For the Eagles, on the other side, I think Jalen has to be able to use his arm, which should be healed, and his legs both. I think they'll want to try and run the football against Kansas City. Chris Jones was a monster. Uh, but I think Kansas, I think the Eagles' offensive line is one of the best in football. And I believe their defensive line is the best in football. And I believe that defense wins championships. So I think from an Eagles standpoint, you want to control the running game and just don't let Kelsey beat you all the time. <laughs> that seems to be every game. Every game. Is, you know, Travis, he's making plays here and there and everywhere. That's so a- I like the Eagles in this one. Wow. Okay. Well, then, from you know, from a quarterback to say defense wins championships, that's uh, that's great. And 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 one thing is why I just the one last question in terms of the current state. Why do we miss on quarterbacks so much? Why are there these first round picks that don't you know that don't pan out? What? Why with all this evaluation? Why do all the smartest men and the women in the room can't figure out you know who should be the best quarterback? Why? Why is it so difficult to pick that quarterback? I think it, it isn't necessarily the individual. If you're, if you're picking uh, high in the draft, you probably need more on your football team than a quarterback. 
And it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's the most dependent position on the field. Well, if you're bringing a young person in who really doesn't understand the game, and it takes two or three years to be able to get a grasp of it, if you don't understand it and you're looking at stuff that you've never seen before and you're playing against guys that are as fast as anybody you've ever played against and they're all that fast, it's not going to be a successful event. And you, you, want to, you, know, you have to protect them mentally and physically, and you have to be able to commit to the young guy and say, okay, you're going to be our guy. We're going to put you through some tough times. You're going to go through some tough times but you're going to come out of it better for us. And then you start to build the team around. Again, I use the San Francisco 49ers as a classic example and the team that they built around the quarterback position. So, Joe, I, again, I want to encourage people. I, I went to your book. I went on Amazon yesterday. You can just order it, download it on Kindle. It's one of those type of books where in a few hours you can read it or you can read sections of the book for motivation. It's a motivational book. Even if you hate football, you know, I liked how you wrote the book. It really is not a football book. It's a motivational book. So I, you know, I wish you the best success in the book and for people to go out and buy it, buy it and just, or just download it and put it on your iPhone. You can read it online. And I will tell you one other thing too, is it's, it's on, there's an audio version and I did the audio version it's the hardest thing I've ever done in a recording session in my life. Um, you know, I just, I, just, I just played golf with Brett Young out in Hawaii just recently. A terrific young country western singer. I said, how long does it take you to write a song? And at the most, four hours. Sometimes I can do it in the length of a shower. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow. Man. You know, it took, me, it took me five sessions and four redos to be able to do the book. And by the way, I have a new, uh, if anybody's interested, I have a new Twitter uh, account. It's at Joe Seven Theisman. At so if Joe Seven. Hit me up and I'll, at Joe Seven Theisman. And I, and I like the number seven. <laughs> number seven. No, that's fantastic. I mean, that, and, and is your book available on your, on your Twitter? Can you book, do that or should you just go through the Amazons and Barnes and Nobles to get your book? Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, best way to do it. Okay, Joe, I really appreciate you taking this time out right before the Super Bowl to talk about your book, to talk about the Super Bowl. I really appreciate you coming on Iron Sports. Thank you so much. You're welcome, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.